Welcome to the Young Talent Radio, an audio experience brought to you by Carrier Ferry. Welcome back, everybody, to the launch week of the Young Talent Radio podcast. Yesterday, we had an amazing conversation with Kingsley Akins on how to network as a student and on how you can leverage your day-to-day connections and relationships to build a strong and diverse network. So if you're a student or a young graduate and you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly suggest you to go back and listen to that episode. We're having today a very special guest, Mr. Kevin Merkels. He has a very special story. He has a very special career path. He's having a career in the humanitarian sector. He's been working for many, many, many years for the International Organization of Migrations in various countries, Libya, Turkey, Afghanistan, many places with humanitarian crisis. And since it's someone who has had the courage to pursue his passion for helping other people and really try to go to the end of his idea of helping others and his willingness to make a positive change in the world, perhaps also contributing to help others in a different way, I thought it would be an amazing opportunity to have him on the show. Uh, welcome, Kevin. Thanks for being here. The idea is to have a, an open discussion about what it means to work into the humanitarian sector, perhaps also inspire others that are trying to build a career in that direction. So you've been working in many different countries, in Syria, Libya, Afghanistan. When we look at your LinkedIn profile, and I think you, you say it yourself, right? You, you have a broad variety of professional experience, <laughs> but your family describes that as a inability to hold a steady job. And I think yeah, that will be um, um, <laughs> perhaps you want you want to tell us a bit more about that and also you know just take the time to introduce yourself and uh, the career that you've built in the in the last years. Well, I'm Kevin uh, Kevin Merkels. I am currently in Geneva, and um, yeah, I am a career humanitarian aid worker. I've been doing this work for about 10 years now since 2011. And like you said, I've worked in a lot of different countries, mostly in the Middle East and Africa, and mostly in, I guess, what you could call war zones or conflict zones or something that somehow ended up being my speciality. Um, I have changed jobs a lot. I've moved to different organizations in different countries um, much more frequently than once every year over the last 10 years. Um, I think it just has something to do with wanting to try something new a lot. And there's positives and negatives, but um, I don't think I would change anything looking back. Uh, each experience that you have gives you something and you're able to give something to those places, even if you're only there less than a year or something. So I think a lot of students will probably recognize in, in what you say, the willingness to have a, a positive contribution, but also perhaps a little bit of the travel bug, willing to discover new yeah. places. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good um, one. It is the travel bug somehow still. Makes sense. Um, you also say that there is a unique lifestyle that comes with a career in humanitarian help. Um, uh-huh. Do you have yeah. some, some something you want to share with us about the lifestyle itself, or like specific anecdotes that happened to you? I'm sure you have uh, <laughs> you have tons of uh, interesting stories. Look, I think the aid sector, humanitarian aid, is unique because I always say it's like a black box. It's hard to know what it is until you get into it. 
if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, there's TV shows and books and memoir. You can, or a teacher, you can kind of know what goes into the work of being a doctor or a teacher. But an aid worker, it's like, well, I saw that poster for UNICEF and I saw that advertisement to donate. And I think, but you have no idea what the lifestyle is like, the co-workers, the, it's, it's a black box. So the, the lifestyle is quite unique then once you get into it. And it's kind of a surprise. Um, it's a surprise in a few ways because you move around a lot. You might spend a year in Asia and then two years in Africa and then a year in the Middle East and a year in Europe. And, you know, your friends are scattered and you're moving regularly. So keeping close relationships, whether that's a partner, a romantic partner or just your friends or just your family is really difficult. I would say also it's it's a bit strange because I think when you think of war and you think of natural disasters, it's very somber. It's very like serious subject, you know? So you think you're just going to be serious all the time because it's sad and difficult, which is true. But the reality is you're a human being and your coworkers are too. So, you know, parties happen. You go on vacation, you know, sometimes every six, seven weeks, if you're in a hardship duty station, they give you time to go on, go away for a week and come back. It's called R&R, &R, uh, to kind of reclaim your mental sanity. And okay. also in refugee camps or IDP camps, life goes on. People have parties, people have weddings, people laugh, people drink. Everyone doesn't want to be serious. Of course, when you're at work, there are serious moments, but everyone's human. And you can have those moments with the community, you can have them with your colleagues, which happens or, you know, the, the point is, I think the lifestyle, it's quite intense. You feel like you're living in a different world. You work really hard. Uh, you need to blow off steam. Uh, for some people, it's drinking. For some people, it's partying. For some people, it's, um, you know, traveling a lot. Um, and so if you add all these things together, what I mentioned, the relationships, the intense lifestyle, uh, the living conditions are often difficult. You often live with your colleagues or you live in a container. I've lived in so many bunkers and containers with no windows and reinforced concrete and all this. So if you add all that together, it's the life as an aid worker is intense and very different from what you might think going into it. If you had to give an advice to students that are in a more traditional study path, let's take my example, I studied business administration. So what would you advise to someone who is in a different career path, but wants to either have a plan A to start working into that sector, or at least keep that plan B to still able to qualify when it comes to applying to jobs in international agencies or hmm. large NGOs, still have a career in that field? Hmm. I think one piece of advice. Hi, everybody. I'm doing a small break here because this is the launch week and we need to keep the episodes very short. But rest assured, the full length interview will be available very soon. So make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when we share the episode. And if you already want to know how to build a career in the humanitarian sector, I highly suggest you to visit Kevin's website, humanitarianinsider.com. You'll find the link in the description. In the next episode, we're having two pioneers of the study and travel concept. They have been carrying out their master's degree in a German university remotely and traveling around the world at the same time in more than 17 countries in the last 18 months. Really amazing change makers here. If you like traveling and you're thinking about starting a degree soon, or if you are currently in your studies, let me tell you something. You really don't want to miss this episode. If you enjoyed that episode, it will mean the world to us if you could leave us a review and share it with your friends on social media.
Thanks a lot. This audio experience was brought to you by Carrie Ferry.